Welcome to Mindful School Marketing, your go-to podcast for personal and professional growth. We're school marketers, business owners, and moms passionate about connecting other school professionals with tools and strategies for success. We love solving problems, exploring new ideas, and thinking outside the box. Let's transform your school and life starting right now. This episode is brought to you by Enquiry Tracker. Easily manage all your inquiries, tours, open houses, and applications with a system designed by K-12 education marketing and admissions professionals. Welcome to Mindful School Marketing. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Aubrey Birch. Today, we're joined by Angela Brown. Angela is the manager B2B brand strategy at Niche, where she supports content and partner engagement strategy at Niche's work with K-12 and higher education institutions. Before joining me, she was director of marketing and communications at Flint Hill School, a pre-K through 12 co-ed day school outside of Washington, D.C. In addition to developing research and content for enrollment insights, Angela is a frequent conference presenter, guest author, and podcast guest. Welcome, Angela. We're so excited to have you back on the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. I'm really excited about this. Yes, we are too. We love spending time with you. Um, and we're really looking forward to hearing about the results of your recent, the recent surveys from Niche. Um, you've got a parent survey and a state of the enrollment and marketing survey. So can you tell us a little bit about the survey and the data that it is designed to provide for independent schools? Sure, sure. So I'll start with the parent survey. And we actually made a very intentional decision this year to switch the order of those surveys because what I have found to be true in the past is that there can be a little bit of a gap between what parents tell us they want and what schools are actually doing. And so we thought it would be helpful to have the parent survey come out, come out first, um, one, so that we could do that comparison once the state of enrollment marketing survey comes out, but also just to have it a little bit earlier in the school year so that it can be more actionable for, for people working on the other side of the desk. And so the parent survey is an annual survey of K-12 parents that looks at how they search for schools, how they chose schools coming into the current school year. So it's very current. Um, and in this case, it was families who chose new schools for their children for the fall of 2023. So it's very fresh, we run it in the summer after they've made their enrollment decisions so they can answer things very accurately. Um, and typically we have between one and 2000 respondents and it's a combination of niche users, but also people that we connect with through advertising, social media posts and posting in parent forums, um, which interestingly we have found to be very, very active for this purpose, especially for the parents of younger children. And then the state of enrollment and marketing survey is our professional survey that we also do every year. And that looks at people working in admissions, marketing and communications in K-12 schools. And there's both an independent and private school version of that survey and a public school, um, online public school and charter school version of that survey, which is separate since, you know, the needs and responses are very different. And the goal of that survey is for people to be able to do some benchmarking on everything from headcount changes on admission and marketing teams. Um, it looks at trends with inquiries, applications, attrition, yield, um, and then the different tactics that they're using both with more traditional marketing channels and digital marketing channels and what their budgets are looking like for, for each of those various tactics. Uh, 
I am so excited about this because um, I happen to be a big fan of these this data that you put forward, because I think it can help our schools so much when they're planning. Um, just sometimes we get in that that kind of, um, what is that blind, you have the blinders on, you're just looking <laughs> yeah. at your own school, you're not seeing the bigger trends. So I'm really excited to jump into um, how we can apply these to schools. Um, so I'm curious, you know, having looked through, and we could do this by survey too, mm -hmm. but having looked through those two surveys, the data that you collected, what do you think are like the top five trends that have emerged from these surveys? So I would say starting with the, I can probably combine the two, starting with the parent survey, one thing that really surprised us this year was the role that admission events play in the process for parents. We know that they're important, um, but one question that we asked this year that was new was about the first step that parents took to engage with the schools that they considered for their children. So we asked about inquiries, we asked about email, we asked about phone calls and, and a few other things. And nearly a third of respondents said that it was actually attending an event. And I think that's really powerful because we tend to focus on all of the things that happened before a family shows up on campus. There's a lot more of a, of a focus on that. Not to say that, that people aren't very thoughtful and intentional about their admission events, but we don't necessarily think of that as a first touch point. We tend to think of those as being for people who are a little bit further along in the process. So it was really interesting to us that for 28% of parents, I believe was the exact data point, that was the first step that they took. Um, and so I think there are a lot of interesting learnings from that, which I know that we're going to get to. And then um, another thing that we saw that was interesting is that there seems to be a bit of a reduced appetite, I would say, for rising tuition costs. So two things that we saw in this year's survey were, <clears throat> excuse me, and another question that we asked that was new, we asked, what would cause you to take a school off the list as you're going through the process? And for 20% of parents, they said that a lack of financial aid um, would cause them to strike a school from the list. And then 60% of parents said that tuition was a deciding factor and where they chose to, to send their children to school. And that was almost a 10% jump from last year. So that was pretty noticeable as we compared it to some of the other options that we presented to parents. Um, and then another big one is just the continuous increase in the role that children are playing in the school choice process. And I think that that's something that we all sort of know is happening, but it's really interesting when you quantify it, especially when you look at middle and high school age students, that's when it really starts to become a significant influence. And so I think that's something that's really important for folks to be aware of. We're really good at thinking about what do parents need, you know, what, what channels are parents on and how do we engage them? But we haven't quite caught up to the role that children are playing in the process in terms of our, our outreach and engagement. And then with the professional survey, I think some of the biggest things um, were the disconnect. I know we talked about that before we, we started um, recording between some of the marketing tactics that schools are using and what parents have told us that they respond to, you know, that I mentioned that was part of why we changed the order of the surveys. There still seems to be a lot of investment in things like, you know, yard signs and billboards and radio ads and, you know, the 
fill in the blanks, best schools on earth issue for, you know, your, your local publication. And even though those are things that can feel really good for current members of your community, you know, who hasn't heard from a trustee or an influential parent who was at the dentist and just love seeing that ad that you spent thousands of dollars on, but that is not how you're actually recruiting parents, not even from a brand awareness standpoint. And so it's interesting when you see that gap between where the budget is going and what's actually resonating with parents. Um, and then another thing we saw that was interesting, we always ask, well, this is the second year in a row that we've asked about enrollment priorities and student and parent experience is something that's starting to kind of rise to the top where it was a bit of a lower priority last year. And I think that just has everything to do with retention, you know, the schools that benefited from the pandemic and saw these really big enrollment numbers. Now they're looking around and saying, okay, we really need to hold on to these families and how can we do that? So finally, you know, customer experience is, is part of my, one of my love languages, as you both know. And so to see that that's starting to have more of an impact in a school environment is really powerful. And so I, I'm encouraged by that. Um, but I think it's something that like anything else, you have to really approach with intention and collaboration. You know, that's not something that lives with the admissions office or the marketing office or the development office. It's actually your faculty who are on the front lines of delivering that experience and making sure that you have them on board, that they understand what's expected of them and why that matters is something that's really important. Yeah, yeah, there's so much information here. I was struck by by a few different things. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, we're talking about the enrollment and marketing right now. Sorry, I can't, not the parent one. Are we talking we, about we, we can do both. Okay. <laughs> we um, can go either way. Yeah. So I think like looking at the enrollment one, one thing that jumped out at me was 37% of schools reported having zero full-time marketing and communication employees. That seems, I mean, it's not necessarily surprising, but I guess, what does that mean? How do you interpret that? I think it means a few things, um, you know, and we, we asked about full-time employees. And so I think that just points to those folks who don't necessarily have a dedicated marketer, you know, especially with smaller schools, small religious schools that we work with. There are a lot of those folks where it's, you know, a one person advancement team, so to speak, where you're doing admissions, you're doing marketing and you're doing fundraising. Sometimes it's a, you know, a yearbook advisor or an English teacher who's moonlighting as a marketer. And so I think that, that what that tells us is there's still a lot of room for schools to grow when it comes to allocating dedicated full-time resources to marketing. And if you're one of those schools that has not done that yet, my hope is that this survey will show you that there's some catching up to do. And it's really difficult to remain competitive when your peer schools have resources that you don't. And one of the things that we saw this year is that um, a pretty high majority of parents look at at least three schools. I think it was close to a quarter that look at five or more when they're going through the search and comparison process. And so, you know, and this, this is something that everybody should pay attention to. Um, every single type of school has competition. 
And so as you're thinking about that competition, if you're the school that doesn't have a full-time marketing communications resource, but you're competing with schools that have one or two or more people in that role, that's a real challenge for you because as everybody who has been in that position knows, it is a very demanding job, even under the best circumstances with the most resources. And so if you don't have any, it's not something that you can do on a part-time basis effectively. It's not something that you can, um, there's no like gig economy really for, for that. It really is. You either need to have a consultant, you know, who's filling that role for you, or you need to have someone in-house, but to not have a marketing resource at all, I think is a really challenging disadvantage. Absolutely. And we see this a lot with small schools. Like it's not, you can't compete on one-to-one then you have to say, what are we dropping? Right. Or who are we burning out? Because those are the two options right there. You can't, you can't do it. And what happens if we think about it, that same school that's down the street with more resources, probably what if they're the same tuition price as you, but I I mean, there's just so much there. So I'm so glad that you're bringing that up. I think it's such an important prop. Um, thing to think about for schools, especially our smaller schools. Um, I'm curious, like, I really like the, this, um, with the state of enrollment in marketing, uh, survey, the piece about surveying, because I'm big on like, Hey, let's collect some data, right? It's that is so important to, um, to understanding as you know, because you just collected data for this, (laughs) uh, but like for serving families, you know, during the admissions process, it, you, it, your report says it's catching on, but there's still work to do. So um, yes. I'm so glad that we're hopefully moving in the right direction with that, but I'm still surprised that there's not more schools doing that. I am surprised as well. It was encouraging to see that this is something that's improving, but you know, it, it, again, this is one of those things where if you're thinking about competitive analysis, right? And the type of intel that your peer schools might be gathering. Your parents may not necessarily know that that's happening in other schools, but that is data and information that your peer schools are tapping into that you are not. And so when I think about some of the questions that I hear on webinars and in conversations with folks about, you know, how do we know who our competitors are? Or how do we do that kind of competitive analysis? How do we know you know, what other schools our parents are applying to and looking at. And then once they start, how do we get information about that? And all of that can come from the survey process. We still have more than half of schools that responded to this survey that are not surveying families at all, not for the admissions process, not during the admissions process, and not after they enroll. And so that's a missed opportunity, you know, and one of the things that I I think this came up in one of the professional groups that I belong to on Facebook, someone was asking about doing competitive analysis. And I said, I don't have a template for that. But one thing that I want to caution you about is make sure you know who your competitors actually are. Because I think that a lot of schools make assumptions about who their peer schools are. Um, Sometimes independent schools don't think about public schools as true competition, which I think would be an an error, 
Um, and you might be surprised who your, who parents who did enroll at your school and parents who didn't view as your peers. And so I think it's important to gather that information. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can do that with an applicant survey. You can, um, do that after the admissions process. You can ask people who went through the process and declined your acceptance offer. Okay. Well, where did you decide to go? Um, and that can really help to bridge that gap between any assumptions you're making internally and what's actually happening in the market. And that's really important. Yeah, I think um, it's it takes a lot of uh, energy and um, I think it's a challenge to reach out and get this information because oftentimes it might tell you things that you that make your job harder, right? Yes. Like that yeah. is sometimes it's better to just not know. <laughs> um, and in addition to the challenge of actually doing the survey. So I think what you're sharing is a good impetus to, you know, that it's not scary and that this information can be really helpful. And I think, you know, some of the things that you have there that, that you're talking about in terms of competition, looking at, at this particular thing, what 64% of parents considered three or more schools in their search process. I mean, that's, you know, that's the significant, that's the well over the majority. So, you know, that kind of information is good to know. And then you look at who your competition is and what they're doing and all of that. So it can be super helpful. Um, how do you think, how can schools use these trends, this information, you know, going forward? Like I'm just saying this oh. could be motivation to them that it's not that <laughs> scary, right? But how, what are some other ways that schools can use this information and these trends in 2024? Oh boy, there's so many, um, <laughs> but I, I, I will try to keep it brief. So our goal when we, when we do these surveys is always to provide data that people can use to inform their strategy for the remainder of this academic year, going into the next academic year. Um, we'll be doing it again in the summer. So there'll be a brand new one coming out in the fall. But in this case, I would say that schools really need to be thinking about their on-campus experiences. You know, the piece about the percentage of, of families who start there, I think, is important because what that means is you have to think a little bit differently about what those experiences are like. You can't assume that these are people who have already spoken to an admission officer and have already, you know, maybe received a view book in the mail. You know, these are people who they looked on your website, they saw that you were having an, having an open house in two weeks and they just showed up. You know, they may not even register, they may just come. And so you, you almost have to have this sort of dual approach to, okay, how are we going to engage with the parents who we've already been talking to and this is their first on-campus event and what's our, our plan B for the parents who are coming in cold, we've never seen or spoken to them before. And now this is our first opportunity to really connect with them. So I think there's just a little bit of a mindset shift that needs to happen with on-campus events. Um, and then another one that I think is really important, and we, we've talked about a little bit of this in the industry for a while, you know, the what does your tuition page look like and all of that. But I, I think there's more work that can be done around managing families' expectations around tuition and financial aid, um, because there seems to be a disconnect between how those decisions are being made every year and what's happening in the market. And 
candidly, there is going to come a point in time, especially in some regional areas where you are going to run out of people who can afford to pay your tuition costs. And so in the absence of, you know, knowing that the marketers can't do much about that process <laughs> and, and in the absence of a, a very thoughtful strategy around um, what your pricing model looks like going forward, I think the short-term solution and the simpler solution is just to do a better job of managing families' expectations and also making sure that all of the touch points that they have with you as they go through the enrollment process reinforce value. That's a really, really big thing. You know, people are willing to make sacrifices for things that they think are valuable. And reinforcing that value, demonstrating that value is something that happens with the very first touch points that you have with a family. It could be on campus. So that's something to be aware of. But even as we're thinking about things like tuition and financial aid pages, the more information you can provide, the better. It's not just a matter of having a, a menu of pricing, but having testimonials from parents, having more branded language that reinforces that value. It's almost like the price is an afterthought. You know, they want to know what it is, but it's another opportunity for you to tell your institution story and demonstrate why they should choose you over someone else. And I think more transparency around financial aid is, is a really big one. You know, a lot of schools might go as far as advertising the percentage of families they have who receive aid and stop there. But to the extent that you can provide more transparency around the process, I have started to see some schools that say, you know, these are the income thresholds that receive aid and the percentages for each, you know, the more information you can provide before they get all the way to the point where they get their award letter, <laughs> the better. Um, and anything that you can do to simplify the process is also really important. Um, so those are a few things that I would really focus on. And then really thinking about how you engage prospective students in addition to parents and guardians. I think that's something that schools are still trying to figure out. We haven't quite mastered that yet, but it's clearly important. That's what the data tells us. And that means your engagement strategies online might look different. You might need to have a presence on different social media channels than you have in the past. You might need to rethink your events. Having events that are student specific is a really good idea because a 14 year old does not care about the same things that their mom and dad do. You know, they, they wanna see a different side of your institution. So it's important to be really thoughtful about that and how you continue to help the student to feel connected to the process. Um, and then as far as the professional survey goes, I think the biggest thing aside from really connecting your marketing strategies to what parents have shared, they respond to, are interested in, what influences their decisions, communication is so important. And, you know, that is something that came through loud and clear in the parent survey and some open-ended responses when we asked why parents left their previous schools, that was a, that was the most common thread. And it, there were a variety of things that baked into that communication around um, student academic performance and needs, especially for families with students who had learning differences. Um, and just having that school to home connection is really critical. And the more 
people who are involved, the more important it is to make sure that they all have a shared understanding of what that looks like. Not all communication comes from the Marcom office, you know, <laughs> so you want to make sure that the experience that they're having with those communications and the experience that they're having with faculty, the experiences they're having with coaches, the experiences they're having with other adults who are engaging with them, there has to be consistency there. And so that is something that I think is really important to think about and, and look at, especially when it comes back to that family experience priority, you know, it's all connected. I'm so glad you brought up all those topics. I feel like I was like tuition page. Yes. How many, <laughs> first of all, I would challenge everyone to go to like five different schools and look at their tuition and their, uh, you know, financial aid and see if you understand exactly what's happening there. Cause a lot of times <laughs> you can't. So if you so can't, then, then, then your prospective parents probably can't either. Um, <laughs> So thank you for that. And I loved your talk about communications there because you know I'm a big fan of communications and consistency across yes. the board is key. There's nothing worse <laughs> than having like a third and a fifth grader and you're getting two different forms of communication. One's high touch and the other is like non-existent. <laughs> yes, that, that's an important point too, to think about the different experiences that families with multiple students might be having. Ugh, that's where having that that training and that shared internal understanding of what customer service looks like is really important. Absolutely. Um, well, I encourage everyone to go look at these uh, surveys because they're really important. But now we'd like to transition into one of our favorite parts of the podcast. And that is like, as we're looking at all this data, right, around, you know, what parents think, what's happening in marketing and enrollment, like how can we, how can we like incorporate mindfulness into this? Um, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are, Angela, on this. Yeah. I mean, whenever we do a survey, um, we try to do it with the end user in mind. Um, and so our approach and where I think mindfulness is relevant across the board is just, it means giving your, yourself the space and time to be still and really thoughtful and focused about what you're doing. And so, you know, with survey design, we try to think about what does the end user need to know and how are they going to use the data? That's something that requires a lot of time and consideration. And it also means that the survey might evolve year after year, which is something I, I think requires a really mindful approach. And I think that that also is true when it comes to planning every year. Like as you think about your strategic planning as a marketer or as an admissions professional, ideally you're doing some of that work together with your, your fundraising friends. Um, but you, know, you wanna make sure that you're making the time for that. I know that when I was in-house a couple of years ago, that was really hard to do. And I can imagine it's very difficult for people to take that space and that time where they block off their calendar, they're not in meetings, their phone's not ringing, they're not distracted, and you can just sit and really focus. But I do think that giving yourself time for that deep work pays dividends later, you know, instead of trying to kind of cobble together a marketing strategy with duct tape over the course of the year, um, which I know can happen. It's a very, it can be a very reactive role in schools, but your life will be easier and it will be 
much easier to, in helping to elevate that role and help other people to see you as a strategic advisor and partner, if you can create a thoughtful plan. So make that time. Um, that's what we do when we try to, <laughs> to develop our surveys. And, and that is also what I hope people take going into the summer when hopefully you get a little bit of downtime and you can do that. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, we are going to move on to rapid fire questions. And we've done these with you before, but you have <laughs> mentioned that you have updated answers. So let's start with the first one. What's one book that you would uh, recommend for the high school curriculum? So this one, it might be a little unorthodox, but I was thinking about a lot of the data that I've seen both from our own surveys and just about what's happening with Gen Z or late Gen Z and Generation Alpha. And there seems to be this post-pandemic breakdown in the ability to engage in conversation and to just put the devices away, get away from the screen and have human interactions with one another. And so a book that I read over the summer that I loved, it's called Think Faster, Talk Smarter by Matt Abrams. And it's a book about mastering spontaneous communication. So things like interviews, but also networking, small talk. Um, and since that's something it's uh, honestly for adults too, it, I think those are things that are becoming a bit of a lost art. And so I think that's a, a great book to add to the high school bookshelf. That's a good one. I'm so excited. We'll add that to our Goodreads list. So um, everyone check that out for sure. What is one app you couldn't live without? So this, this is one that has changed as well. It's the Peloton app. It's one that I, I keep coming back to it. <laughs> I'll take a break and then I come back and then I take a break and then I come back. But I start almost every day with the Peloton app. So that's, that's Ooh, a go-to. You'll me. have to share your username with us offline. <laughs> yeah, we're Peloton, Peloton users. So let's do Love that. It. Let's all buddy up. Yes, Love I'm it. pretty addicted myself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. What are you reading right now? Oh boy. So I haven't started it yet, but a friend of mine recommended a book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rummelt. I've heard since I had that conversation with her from many people that it's a good one. So I am excited to dig into it. It actually got delivered, I think Monday or Tuesday, we're recording this on a Wednesday for those listening. So I just had it dropped off and I'm planning to dig into it this week, but I'm pretty excited about that one. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear about that. If, if you recommend it after you read it, let me know. I will. I'll, I will. I'll put it on my winter break list. Um, Okay, so what is one great piece of advice you'd like to leave us with? So this is this is a little, it's not necessarily directly related to surveys and data, but I think it's just a piece of professional wisdom in general. And it's it's a lesson that I personally had to learn the hard way. And that is just to take care of yourself. Um, and so we're recording this episode during the holiday season and so many people I know, especially women, are just completely tapped. They are running themselves ragged and there's still a few weeks to go before, you know, things start to calm down a little bit work-wise and, and you can dig into the holidays, but, you know, that can also cause a, a different kind of stress. And so I would say just like it's important to take time for planning and heads down work, it's important to take time to make time 
um, to take care of yourself. And that could be, you know, working out with an app. It could be, um, doing a meditation. I've become a big fan of, of meditation recently or setting aside a half an hour to jump in the bathtub, whatever that looks like for you. Um, it's just so important to do because you only get one you and you only get one shot at life and it's too short to burn yourself out over things that don't really matter. It was a great, great piece of advice. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Angela. It's always a treat. Thank you so much for sharing time and information right. with us. Where can people find you online? So if you are connected with me already, you know that I am obsessed with LinkedIn. I am there all the time. <laughs> so definitely come find me, give me a follow, um, feel free to connect. I love connecting with people in our industry. Um, the Enrollment Insights blog, I'm, I'm still popping up here and there over on the blog with webinars and more data, blog posts, all that good stuff. Um, and soon enough, I'll be at the Small School Leaders Conference. So you can see me there. I'm doing a session on generative AI, which is my new pet passion. Um, it's something I'm really excited about and use every day myself. So I'm really looking forward to giving folks some tips on how they can use it to ease some of the burdens and stress that we talked about earlier. Oh, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And if you don't follow her on LinkedIn, you definitely should, because I'm always like liking and celebrating her posts and the little <laughs> clap emojis because they're awesome. So <laughs> thank you again, Angela, for sharing thank your you. wisdom and this data analysis with us. It was fantastic. And I thank know our leaders you. will find it valuable. Have thank a great so day. All right, thank bye. you again. Inquiry Tracker is the all-in-one CRM solution used by over 250 schools. Easily manage all your inquiries, tours, and open houses. Key instant analytics help you manage and grow a robust pipeline. So end spreadsheets forever. The smart online application system with powerful document upload is a game changer. No school is too small or too big, and their fast start program will get you up and running in no time. Best of all, the system is designed by K through 12 education, marketing, and admissions professionals. Check out Inquiry Tracker at inquirytracker.net. That's inquiry with an E, tracker.net. Thanks for joining us on the Mindful School Marketing Podcast. We'd love it if you pop into iTunes and leave a review. Five star preferred. Let us know how you like the show. It helps us improve what we're doing and helps others find us too. <laughs>